It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980 as well. Andrew Brandt will join us, former NFL executive, at the quarter hour, so 10 minutes from right now. Uh, Right now, though, uh, we have uh, space for more calls at 301-230-0980. Uh, so if you want to hop in, we have time for maybe one or two, and we got some lines open. Uh, but I also wanted to to get you some sound from Albert Breer, of course, Monday morning quarterback uh, at SI, their insider. And he was on with Grant and Danny in the 3 o'clock hour before we were on over here. And I thought Albert had some very interesting insight on this process. First things first, about this narrative that Ben Johnson was the favorite, Albert Breer says, not so fast, my friend. I, I don't know that he was ever as strong a favorite as people thought. Um, and I think a couple things. Number one, you know, like the feel I got coming into this week was that the commanders were hitting almost like a hard reset, right? And not saying that like the information they had gathered already wasn't important or valuable or were going to be used. But they really wanted to kind of take a fresh set of eyes as they went out and met with all of these guys this week. You know, it's Dan Quinn, obviously, um, today, and, and Ben Johnson and, and, and Aaron Glenn, and, and going through the list of names again, um, just have a very open mind about it. So I, I think that's interesting that, you know, and to me, like the translation there is – Ben Johnson did not impress in his Zoom interview. He did interview, and he interviewed with everybody else over Zoom. And I think if out of that process, like, he had blown them away, maybe there would have been a little bit more smoke about, like, yeah, that dude's definitely the favorite. Maybe they come out and they're like, I don't know, I'm not so sure. We need to have some fresh eyes on this. We need to make sure we're respecting this process because I don't know the guy that we thought was going to be the guy is ultimately going to be the guy. Um, and then again, I think it's important to remember too, that this was Ben Johnson's call. And even though the timing is funky, he is the one who made this decision, not the commanders, not the Seahawks, by the way, who are doing the same thing today. I don't think Ben Johnson has interviewed great, um, over the last couple of years. And so where he was in the search, I think could be a factor. You know, I, I also know the other part of this is, um, you know, last year, I know Detroit knew that Ben was a little, let's just say insecure about where he was and whether or not he was ready. And he's pretty self-aware. And I think at that point, Detroit made it worth his while to say, hey, you know, like if you want to take that extra year, we'll do our best to make you whole financially and we'll give you a good option right here where you are. And he wound up taking it. Now, I don't know if that part happened again. But I can just tell you, like, Detroit really values him. And so if there was an opening there for them to take him off the market, I could see where they would have maybe tried to do that too. So that, similar to what I just said, is like, you know, he decided. And also maybe the interviews, as Breer said at the beginning of that, weren't going super well. I thought this might have been the most important or most interesting thing that Breer said. Breer has such a good pulse on the league. And there's all this talk of, like, offensive versus defensive. And what's actually apparently happening right now is a different trend that is taking the league by storm. And interestingly enough, there aren't 
really many or any of these guys that uh, that, that fit the bill that uh, are, are on the commander's list of potential head coaches. Listen to Adam Peters himself and what he said at the press conference because he was asked directly about that, right, the play calling thing. And his answer, I believe, and you guys can look this up and I'm sure you remember it, um, was it's not so much offense or defense as I want a leader, okay? So that's number one. He said it himself. Um, number two, there's a trend happening in the NFL that I think less people are paying attention to than the offensive play caller thing, and that's the success of recent ex-players. And you can look at Dan Campbell, you can look at D'Amico Ryans, you can look at Mike Brabel, you can look at Kevin O'Connell, guys who played in the league who didn't have a ton of runway as assistant coaches going and getting jobs and then being successful in those jobs. And I think it really speaks to a big piece of all of this, which with this generation of player, it's difficult to get engagement. That's a very hard first hurdle to clear. Mike McDaniel, for example, had to work really hard to get that in Miami. He got it, but it had to work real hard to get it. D'Amico Ryans, Mike Vrabel, Dan Campbell, those guys have it the minute they walk in the room. And so – there are different ways to do this. And I think focusing on one bucket really limits what you're looking for in a head coach. I give the commanders credit for looking at different buckets. And it wouldn't shock me if you look at this and you say, maybe we want to go with somebody experienced or we want to go with the ex-player route. You know, um, I know they were committed to, to looking at everything and they've certainly done that. So that to me is interesting because there is one very prominent former player who the commanders have not talk to yet, but does fit that bill. I think Quinn's a good good candidate. I think Aaron Glenn's going to get a serious look. Um, and if there's one they haven't talked to yet that would make sense to me, it would be Mike Vrabel, who like Adam Peters was with and um, in was with in New England for six years. Um, so if there's one, if they really are going to like look under every rock here, I mean, Vrabel would be one I would advise them to look at. I think he's a really, I think he's top seven or eight head coach in the league. And I think if you could get him at this point, that would be a win. Uh, Vrabel is interesting to me. Um, he comes with severe offensive questions, like more severe than Quinn. Quinn has the Kyle Shanahan relationships to that tree. Um, and Kyle and, and you know, uh, Dan have a great relationship from their days in Atlanta. Vrabel's off the Belichick tree where there's no good offensive coaches, not a single one of them, unless you're going to somehow – Convince Tom Brady to come be your offensive coordinator, and you know who who knows how that would go. I'd be more comfortable with him playing quarterback than OC. So, point is, I I understand why Vrabel may sit out a year, but I also don't understand because he's a great leader. He he is made good, like he's done a good job of game managing as well. I think that's an important thing uh, over his time in Tennessee. And I think a lot of the downfall in Tennessee had to do with the roster, not necessarily with Mike. So um, interesting name and, and one we'll obviously continue to watch for as this search goes on. Uh, next, though, uh, one big question that looms more on the the Ben Johnson side, frankly, than the Washington side is what does this mean for Ben Johnson going forward? Like, did he just sabotage his own head coaching future and the way he went about this? Well, let's ask someone who would be in a position to hire him. Andrew Brandt uh, was the head of the Green Bay Packers front office for a long time. What does he make of the news of today? Andrew Brandt joins us next on The Hoffman Show.
It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up in 15 minutes, Linnell Willingham hops in on an overreaction Tuesday. So much to talk about. Might pop a few NFL draft takes in as well. 6 o'clock hour, Wizards guard Tyus Jones at 6.30. Other than that, we are talking all about the news of the day, which is that Ben Johnson has decided for the second straight year to not take a head coaching job. And, of course, that is rather relevant here in D.C. as the commanders were the presumptive landing spot, uh, according to many for Johnson's services to talk about it all a guy who grew up rooting for the team here in DC ultimately went on to run the Packers front office now host of the uh, business of sports podcast with Andrew Brandt it's Andrew Brandt Andrew welcome back to the show sir always good to talk to you yeah Craig always a pleasure to talk to my uh my hometowners there in DC. Yeah, it's always good to have you, and especially on a day like today, because uh, you know, obviously, we're going to talk about the Washington side of this here in a second. But I think the most interesting question for you is, what does this mean for Ben Johnson moving forward? Like, if you were if you were on the Packers team playing, and it's a little different with the Packers because you you wouldn't be on with the owner uh, because you don't have an owner in Green Bay. But we can pretend if if you're you and the Packers brass are on a plane somewhere to interview someone, and maybe there's two interviews because they were going to interview Aaron Glenn in Detroit as well and you get word like ah, that guy's actually not interested anymore what do you think the ripple effect is for Johnson around the NFL and for his head coaching future making this move in this way yeah I mean first of all we had about 50,000 owners all wearing <laughs> that's, a good point. Heads. that's a good point I don't I don't know if they had private planes though so I mean I'm sure some, no. one, one or two of them must have sheer numbers yeah I think the um let's just review it's two years in a row now so two years in a row consecutive years that Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions, has been rumored for all these jobs and been a quote-unquote hot candidate to ascend to a head coaching position, which we assume from the outside is what every young coach wants, to be a head coach of an NFL team with only 32 jobs in the world. What an amazing position. He said no both times. And last year we kind of understood it. We assumed he got a big pay jump. And what happened this year just seemed to come out of the blue today, as you noted, on the way the commander's brass is to interview him and, as you correctly said, another candidate from the same team, so their trip is not for naught. I mean, as you saw me on Twitter, I just think that this is going to sting for a minute and you're going to get the narratives out there that, do you want to trust this guy with your team? And this is a bad look and he's not going to be a head coach after this. I don't give any of that much weight. I don't because he is going to continue to be an excellent offensive coach. He's going to use those weapons. We saw late in the year that were just blossoming for the lions. Those two Alabama players, Jamison Williams and Jamar Gibbs in more creative ways Sam Laporta, in more creative ways, have even a better offense and have even a better resume next year in a league that maybe the Lions do ascend to the Super Bowl. So I don't see a problem. And the ultimate example of that is Josh McDaniels, who is known to be kind of a surly character, actually accepted a job and then reneged on a job with the Indianapolis Colts and then had more interviews, and then got a job. The fact he was a uh, a failure at the Raiders is after the fact. 
I'm just saying he got the job and the interviews. So I don't take into account Ben Johnson having a weak future with head coaching opportunities because of this. It's a tough time for the, for the Commanders fans to hear that right now, but I think he'll be a head coach when he wants to be. No, I don't disagree with you, Andrew. I'm glad yeah. you said that as someone with your experience as opposed to me, a guy sitting uh, in the radio, but it, or in front of a radio mic, because at the end of the day, like the, the team that he says yes to only cares that he says yes to them. He doesn't care what they right. did uh, to the commanders in the past. Okay, now that, now that we've uh, gone down that road, let's go back to kind of where this leaves Washington. They will interview Aaron Glenn. They've interviewed McDonald. They've interviewed Quinn. They've interviewed Bien-Ami. Um, I, if you're interviewing for a head coach, I don't know how many times you had to go through that in Green Bay. Like, what are the characteristics you were looking for, and and how do you think that's maybe changed from the times that you were doing it to what uh, a good head coach, a successful head coach, is in this modern 2024 NFL? Because it wasn't that long ago that you were doing it, but yeah. the league has adapted and changed. It feels like so much in the last decade. Well, a couple things. I went through two in Green Bay. The most recent one was a coach you guys know named Mike McCarthy. Uh, that we hired in 2007. And, you know, I think the interviews, again, this is, comes back to not having an owner, which may be a different sort, sort of interview. But we were very player-focused. Uh, you know, we'd go through our roster, and we'd see how the potential coach would utilize that roster and how he'd utilize some of our young players and what he thought of them. And, of course, you go through what his staff would look like. And why this co- why this coordinator, why that coordinator, you know, are they interested in interviewing coordinators from the outside that they haven't worked with, that they've maybe admired as a coach instead of bringing in cronies? What would the plan be? You know, we had coaches come in from February 1 to January 31, every week planned out, every week, and present that and present that. And coaches come in and prepared with their staff from coordinators down to quality control and the backgrounds they're looking for. And then, of course, how they would use our personnel and uh, what they thought the team needed draft and free agency wise. So that all these kind of questions. But as everyone listening knows, you don't have to know anything about football to know what <laughs> what happens in an interview. Five minutes in, it's like a date. Is there comfort level? Is there chemistry? You know, is there, could you work with this person period? Like, could you be around this person a lot? And, uh, you know, that's always part of it too. Of course, when we talk about favorites, everyone said the favorite was Ben Johnson. And here we are. So who knows who the favorites are, Andrew, but it seems like the two favorites left for Washington are Dan Quinn and Mike McDonald. One, a young and upcoming coordinator at just 36 years old in Baltimore. The other, a quote-unquote retread with Dan uh, having had the the time that he had, a 43-42 and record uh, as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. What what kind of things are you looking for? Like what differentiates uh, what you're looking for in a a retread and and what you want to get out of that interview and what make – might make you decide to go that direction versus the concerns and questions you want to hear answers to for a guy like McDonald who could be the next big thing or could just be a young guy who's not ready for the job yet. Yeah, you identified the two areas of concerns, probably the wrong word, but just you want to ask. You want to ask Dan Quinn what happened at the other stops. And again, there is some recency bias. A lot of teams did say there's not, but 
I was at that game a couple weeks ago in Dallas where the Packers, my Packers, ran roughshod over that defense. It looked like the defense had little to no resistance at all. You got to ask Quinn about that. I mean, I'm sure, of course, you ask him about that. And was that just outmaneuvered by the Packers and Matt LaFleur, or what happened? So you want to ask about the previous stops, what he would do better as a head coach. And then for someone who hasn't had that, then it comes in as to how would you handle the increased responsibility? Would you, in McDonald's case, continue to handle the defense? Uh, what involvement would you have on offense? And, of course, who would be running the offense? So these are all kind of the natural questions. But, again, I think everyone's looking for the Ben Johnson type. And this is why I wrote about in Sports Illustrated, you know, why Bill Belichick didn't get a job. I mean, people want the fresh face that will ascend. And it's no surprise to me that Bill Belichick or Pete Carroll or Mike Vrabel are not getting jobs. They People want to sign just like they sign players. They don't care about past performance when you do a contract. The contract's about future performance, and that's what teams are looking for with coaches. It's Is it ageism? I don't know. I mean, everyone can debate that. But people want young ascending coaches that can be there a long time. Andrew Brandt, former NFL executive, is with us here on the Hoffman Show, has a great podcast. Uh, you can search his name in your favorite podcast app, and it will pop right up. Also uh, works in sports law. If you want to go take his class, you have to get into Villanova Law School, so have fun with that. Uh, but, Andrew, uh, so well-rounded on, on so many things. Let me ask you this last thing on the way out, Andrew, uh, about timelines here, because I don't think this is going to push Washington back tremendously. Uh, with our luck, the way this show goes, it's we get done at 7. At 7.02 tonight, there will be breaking news that they've hired someone. That tends to be how things go around here. Um, but likely tomorrow, Thursday, we get news. But we're seeing offensive coordinators get hired to other places. We're seeing, uh, obviously, the Senior Bowl, and there's plenty of coaches that that go down there, maybe not as, as many as used to, but – the, the later this gets pushed, what does Washington, I don't want to say miss out on, but what is Washington at risk of losing and, and have to play catch up on the later they go making this decision? Well, unless I don't know enough about Washington right now, they still have a scouting staff. They do. And, they do. And the scout, scouting staff is doing all that stuff you're talking about. And depending on the, the uh, organization, the coaches can do very little to no scouting or a lot of scouting, but primarily the scouts handle that. You know, the coach, once you do hire a coach, though, then there are weeks, as you see now with all these other staffs, there are weeks before you fill out the coaching staff. But, you know, I think as a, as a bottom line, teams tend to say we want our con- entire staff set when we go to the combine in mid to late February. I mean, that's really the deadline. These bowl games, sure, but, you know, you got scouting staffs. So I don't get too too worried about timing. And, and listen, I like what they've done. I like what all these teams have done, except maybe the Patriots. I mean, why not take a broad brush? Why not interview 10, 12, 15 people? There's no downside to that, in my opinion. Um, if nothing else, you pick the brain about other organizations. So I think it's a valuable tool for teams to sort of use this time, use it right. No doubt, and it seems extra valuable here in Washington with new ownership uh, to kind of learn about the league a little bit more as they go through this process. Yeah. 
Uh, Andrew, always appreciate your perspective. Uh, thanks so much. Anything else that you want people to know about? I know you've been doing newsletters, podcasts, anything in particular that I didn't mention that you want folks to know as you uh, you cover these and the other big stories around the NFL? Yeah, the newsletter is really growing. It comes out on Sundays. Just go to andrew-brandt.com. Sign up with your email. It's free. And I just give you a lot of different insights about all sports and business and life, et cetera. So, and then I do these reels on Instagram, um, Andrew Brandt too. Some a-hole got Andrew Brandt. Won't give it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's Andrew Brandt too. Uh, on Instagram where I do these reels. I think people enjoy those. Nice. Uh, did you ever think when you were sitting in the Packers front office running, running an NFL team, you're like, yeah, one day I'll do Instagram reels. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful quickly that I lived as an executive in sports in the pre-social media area. That's, era. that's true, too. I was very thankful for that. Yeah. Reels, reels now, uh, executiving then, I think, is, is definitely the order. Um, Andrew, always appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rex. Uh, that is Andrew Brandt with us, everybody. Uh, great former NFL executive, great analyst. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. And I agree with what he said at the top there. Uh, the biggest thing I wanted to ask him is about Johnson's future. I don't think this affects it very much. Um, I think there are some concerns, but not the kind of concerns that people can't get past very quickly if he has another great season in Detroit. When we get back, hey, I see him just stalking me in the hallway. Linnell Willingham, uh, is, he's chomping at the bit to come in here. Overreaction Tuesday is next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We are always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Linnell Willingham is with us in studio. Now I got your camera all straightened out. Hello, Craig. We're live on YouTube. Can I move the the camera? I mean, you can, but now I had it set up where you were actually, you know. In the shot. I know you can't see the monitor. Yeah. Um, you don't have a way to see what's what's going on on, on if, the if interwebs? I could make if I could make any requests in the future that would be that'd be appreciated because sometimes you know I, I I scroll through my YouTube at about two o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning and I see myself on the Hoffman show and sometimes it's uh looks like it's two o'clock in the morning well that's a that's a you thing I can't the camera well, sees what it sees the camera well, we sees gotta, what we it sees you, there we got to teach you about sleep. angles we got to teach you how to sleep. Well, is sleep what we is, do. this. This is not the season to sleep, sir. Yes, it's always the season to sleep. Well, not for your boy. But hello, yeah. I'm happy to be here. I'm not going to do the victory lap bit. Um, this is what it is. We have news. No, we have news. But you, you were Mister last week. Ben Johnson's not in my top five candidates. No. So you're the only person who's not sad. It seems like in D.C. today. No, I think that is. I, I, I think that was uh, a bit of an overreaction because I think Ben Johnson was a great candidate at the end of the day he's not coming and I still think that the area that we agreed is this yeah. is a deep candidate list but the only thing that's like, more of my point the is only, that the list was deep the the thing that I think really sucks is that Raheem Morris is not available that's yeah. the that's the one that hurts for me outside of that like they're gonna get someone who's really good yeah I think you know if going back to like mid-December um Mike McDonald has been the guy that I wanted. Uh, I think his his ability and what he did against the Shanahan offense this year, that's just one thing that I love. But, like, Baltimore was historically good defensively, like in terms of DVOA, in terms of just straight-up stats. Like, the only team uh, in history to lead the league in takeaways, opponent points per game, and sacks. Like, that means something to me. And the one thing that, you know, you heard about Ben Johnson that, Fair or unfair, it just is what it is. He had a litany of talent. 
And people are saying the same thing about Mike McDonald in Baltimore, but I just look at what the Ravens have getting the most out of later round draft picks. Like they're on a bunch of household names on Baltimore's defense. They're, I mean, they're just, I, isn't. just I, I don't know, man. Like I just, I can't, I can't co-sign that. Wait, because what? Justin Matabuke was who before? Amon Ross St. Brown was who? Like we can do this game all day. And I don't, I feel like we're wasting time trying to litigate the Johnson thing, but like, you don't get to say it now and have it all of a sudden be true when last week we went through it piece by piece and went... I'm not talking not. about Ben Johnson. I'm talking about Mike McDonald here, yeah, though. No, like, McDonald's, the Ravens don't... Like, I'm impressed with what he did because I don't think for he's sure. working with, you know, top-of-the-line talent at every position. No, what I think it's interesting where he is working with top-of-the-line talent, which is at the position that has been devalued by yes. the rest of the league. Um, and, by the way, I also... I will say I love, love that they took Kyle Hamilton. Because I am more interested in a head coach and a, and a philosophy that you take good football players and figure out what they can do. And, you know, like everyone's like, ah, oh, we can't take Hamilton. He's not a post safety. So they don't use him as a post safety, but he can do everything else at an extremely high level. And they do use him that way occasionally. His, occasionally, his sure. His pre-draft was kind of ludicrous, all about a slow 40. Right. I mean, if you watch the tape, you're like, uh, He covers ground ridiculously. Yeah. So, so right. But I, I agree with you that yeah. he has done – He do, he's not – dealing with the primest cuts in Baltimore, and he has done a tremendous job of hiding their deficiencies, accentuating their strengths, and I think you look at what they did on Sunday, even in a loss, like, that wasn't on the defense. They held Patrick Mahomes no. and company to a goose egg in the second half. Yeah, I think he's probably, like, at the top of my list right now. Um, But as I was advocating for last week, I think Aaron Glenn is someone that, has the charisma and the pizzazz about him to go knock the interview out of the park and really make Adam Peters and Josh Harris think twice about this decision. Now, to me, the the interview part was always the most important thing in this, and I think Adam Peters and Josh alluded to it when they spoke to the media like about two or three weeks ago. They're looking for a leader of men. It's not really about your offensive X's and O chops. It's not about how good you can call defenses. They need someone to come in here and – grab this this program by the throat and set and establish a culture. You know who's someone out there, Craig, that I think is very capable of doing that, and I'd probably put him at, like, number three right now of the available people, you're gonna Dan Quinn. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to go Vrabel. I thought you were going to go off well, the board. I, and I, I guess I can talk about Vrabel here for a second, and I'll do it more tonight on overtime on the fan, but Vrabel is not going to get this job. They have not interviewed Vrabel for right. one specific reason that – I omitted, foolish of me, dude, Rand Carthen and Adam Peters are probably like this. Rand Carthen and, and Mike Frable couldn't, you know, sit in the same room together, apparently. That's probably so, that's probably true. And so that makes sense why he has not been, you know, interviewed here. Not that yeah. he's not qualified, but no, that's a know, good perception point. And, is ninety nine percent reality. The I think it's important to point out the model. Right. right. The model is that you're trying to build what Campbell and Holmes have in Detroit, what uh, Kyle and John Lynch have in yes. San Francisco, what uh, Kevin uh, and, oh, God, now I'm doing Brett Veach thing. and Andy Reid in yeah. Kansas City. Like, they have what, a type. Sean and Les have yeah. in L.A. Like, these organizations that are good every year have a tremendous head coach yes. and top executive relationship. And Vrabel is going to want power. And Adam Peters is like, nah, we're going to do this this way where we collaborate. 
and you're not going to try to run over me. And this is something that I wonder, like did Ben Johnson, whether because he knew he wouldn't get it and it was a way for him to get out of the job and then be like, well, they didn't give me what I want, or because he genuinely wanted it, like did Ben Johnson want too much power? I think that is a legitimate question. Um, A guy like McDonald at 36 ain't going to come in, like he doesn't have the standing to ask for anything. Um, and I think Dan Quinn, what he, you know, his, his record and resume, I don't think he has the standing to ask for it either. But they do have an ability to collaborate and be really smart and right. do what they do well. <sighs> and, you know, that's another thing of like people want to make this Quinn Ron comparison. And at the very least, my guy Teresh has been listening the whole show and he had such a good tweet. He's had like seven good tweets and I have, I keep forgetting to read all of them. Um, but Rush was like, you know, it, even if he is someone who is a former defensive coordinator, yada, yada, he's not going to come in and be asked to sit on board meetings about a rebrand, Correct. do crisis yes. management, and whatever. And by the way, I think Dan Quinn is a much better coach than Ron Rivera. Yeah, the, I don't understand all the disdain towards Dan Quinn. He took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. They were good while he was there. His record was over 500. Like, he did a lot of good things there. The staff that he had underneath him, which he picked multiple head coaches on there. So he is like the leader of all leaders. I think he's like closer to like a Dan Campbell type of guy where like he can he can galvanize a room and he's smart enough on his side of the ball where he can piecemeal things. I yeah. think he'd be a damn good candidate. I'm I, not turning my be, nose up at anybody. Though. I'd be curious to see what he does in round two because I do think that yeah. like, you know, if you say that just the stuff you said, I feel like we're switching roles here and I'm playing devil's advocate, but like, Rivera also had, you know, Brandon, uh, not Brandon Bean, uh, but he did have Brandon Bean there with him in Carolina. He's now the GM in Buffalo. And then Sean McDermott, um, Sean McDermott with him in, in Carolina. And they did make a Super Bowl and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but I just, like, just because the resume looks similar doesn't mean they're the same. And I, I that's ultimately, yeah. like, there's no data point I can point to other than to say, I don't think those are the same dudes. Um, I agree with you that McDonald is the guy to me with what is left my concern is and it's not concern is too strong I keep saying concern it's not concern it's my question is what does his staff look like and that is something where if like you're doing the the pros and cons of these guys you have to give the advantage to Quinn because he has the Shanahan tree connections he has those offensive connections what does it look like especially by the way when Jim Harbaugh is trying to hire a staff out in LA um, and right. John is yeah. going to have to replace some people in Baltimore. How does he fill out? How does he compete with his two former bosses to fill out his staff? What's his network look like? I think that's going to be a, a tremendous question to try to try to answer. I think a lot of it's going to come down to obviously the relationships that Mike has. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he dipped back into the Michigan well. Uh, to try to get coaches here and they're DC about to if upgrade he's the guy. Know, the thing is, like, they just lost Jim, and so like their OC is now the head coach, and on down the list. So things are things are moving. I, I don't. I, I like the way you put it. I think concerns a strong word. It's a question that I have, but I'm sure huh, Adam Peters has that question. I'm sure Josh Harris has that question. So it will be answered. And however Mike decides to do it, you know, we're, we're, we're the world is 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 his oyster, so to speak. If he gets the job. But that's going to be the case with Quinn. That's going to be the case with Vrabel if he ends up being the guy. That's that's sort of my thing, right? They're probably going defensive mind here. It feels like we're counting out Bobby Slowick, but I mean, for whatever it's worth, Phillips and I did a little YouTube live stream earlier, and he got a he seemed to get a note while we were on uh, on the interwebs saying that Slowick is, is probably not getting the job. Okay, so you're probably going with a defensive minded coach. That same question 
that we have about sure. the OC and the staff applies for all of those guys. If you really want to, fans out there, and I'll, I'll probably, me and Craig will probably do this on our own time as well, really want to dig into the weeds and like look at where some of these guys have been at, you'll start to get some clues as to what they may like to do. But with McDonald, I think it's the biggest question mark because he's got the least amount of experience and in turn probably the least amount of relationships. Like that's Michigan, the difference. but yeah. That, that's the difference. Georgia, in the, you, you know. In the NFL, yeah. he has never, like Quinn worked with Kyle. Yes. And he had Raheem, and you know, obviously Raheem's gonna have to fill out his staff in Atlanta. Um, but Dan has those connections to that tree, and he's been around the NFL for 25 years. Yeah. Mike McDonald's, you know, 25 years ago was 11. <laughs> so it is, it is a question. But yeah. then again, you know, he probably hung out with a bunch of dudes at the combine, bunch of dudes in, at the Senior Bowl over right. the years. Like, and and this is where Adam Peters is super helpful. Like Adam's been around multiple organizations. Um, he's been around multiple coaching trees. He's been around multiple systems. He's got relationships. And if you can get a, a great veteran OC, potentially, that guy can fill out his own staff. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's an important thing uh, to remember as well. All right. Um, when we get back, that staff, whoever it is, is going to have to pick a quarterback. I've started watching the quarterbacks. You have started watching the quarterbacks. Yeah. We oh, like, I have my overreaction. We like the same guy, but I think Linnell's going a bit overboard <laughs> on one of the top prospects. So, quick divergent from the Ben Johnson news. I want to get this overreaction in on an overreaction Tuesday. Next on the Hoffman Show, first, a look at what's trending. Oh, I'm excited for the next seven minutes of this. It's the Hoffman that's Show. Always, We're on the it? team, 980. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, this take... This is going to be so much fun that uh, we might run a little bit long here. So, yeah, we got nothing. We don't have Anthony. There's nothing scheduled at 6 o'clock, right, that we have with urgency. We're just going back to calls and all that kind of stuff. We don't have a guest. No, we don't. Okay. No guest. So, we're not, we're not blowing somebody out if we oh, go hey, long Anthony. Here. I haven't uh, told you this. I haven't told you my, my steamy hot take either. It's not really steamy hot. Your boy's been grinding the tape. I text the old Hoffmeister every now and then between the hours of two and three in the morning. Hoffmeister, yes. I wake, go. I, I wake up to a text from Linnell, and I'm like, "You should be sleeping." So you didn't say that over the air, did you? No, he did. Craig, he did. you like that name? No, I just I okay. just been blowing past it. Okay. <laughs> um, um. Okay. So here here's the thing. You were tweeting about Jaden Daniels the other day, mm-hmm. and you said something that I thought was crazy. What did I you say? Have, uh, you said that he was at, like a runner, or as a runner, was in the Lamar Jackson category. He's not. He doesn't have the like break a guy down, but like he's straight line fast as all outdoors. No, he's he makes people miss. Right, but like that's the point is you can't say he's Lamar Who, 2.0 when he can't shake people like Lamar. Like trust me, I went to Syracuse. I remember when Lamar bursted on the scene. But dude, he runs away from people. Yes, at a, at a rate that you just don't see. It. So so did Rob. Do it in the SEC. It's levels to it to me. Robert did it too. Robert was an Olympic the, the caliber Pac-12, sprinter. Though, or the Big Twelve, whatever they wanted to call it. Like when you get out on the track and you're running ten four or whatever the hell Robert right. ran in the hurdles. Like Robert Griffin is one of the fastest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Yes. And I think Jaden Daniels is somewhere between Lamar and and Robert. I think he is shiftier and can shake more guys and is a better open field runner and harder to pursue than Robert, who was pretty much straight, straight line. Although before the first, in, uh, before the injury, um, he did have a little bit more shake yeah. to him at Baylor, but he's not Lamar. Like Lamar, Lamar is 
as good as any player in the league with the ball in his hands. And so to put someone on that level means that's got to be true. He's not. He is Jaden Daniels will be one of the five best runners in the sport as a quarterback the second he steps on the field. But he's not Lamar. Who, you can't, you can't build it. Uh, no one. That's the point. So you're saying top five. I, I don't know where you're finding four other guys besides Lamar. Uh, like if you're going to exclude Richards, Lamar. Anthony Richardson would be up there. He's not as fast, though. Richardson ran a 4-3. How quickly did your memory go? Watching them. Who who looks faster when you're watching them? Jaden, because he's slimmer. You don't realize how fast Richardson is going. The stopwatch doesn't lie, bro. We'll see what Jaden runs if he elects to run, but I'd be hard-pressed to say that Anthony Richardson's faster than him. But I don't know. Anthony Haney, am I misremembering, or did Anthony Richardson run a 4-3 last year? It was a 4-4-3. At 6'5", 240, yeah? Yeah. He's heavier. Yeah. Jaden's 6'4". Yeah. That, that heaviness I, I hear what is, you're saying. My point is to simply say, I'm not trying to poo-poo Jaden Daniels. I love Jaden Daniels. I am all aboard for Jaden Daniels from what I have watched. I am a big fan. I think his feet are good. I think he understands how to get the ball on time. You'd like to see him throw over the middle a little bit more, but that has to do with the offense. There is examples of him like hitting a dig in timing, and you're like, yeah, why couldn't NFL quarterbacks do that this year when I watched them on He just got to get coached up, man. But, like, Lamar is one of one as a runner. Don't do that to anybody. That's not fair to them. Lamar is one of one. Now so, okay. with that said, as much as you love Jaden, you don't want Jaden. No, I don't want Jaden. What I want is maybe a pipe dream. I hope that Adam Peters and company, when they go through and they grind the tape, they, they feel how I feel. There's nothing on this four-win Commanders team that I would not give up to get Caleb Williams. He is far and away the best quarterback in this class. Lowest floor, highest ceiling. I, I just think the things that he's able to do inside of the pocket, outside of the pocket, on schedule, off schedule, the arm talent, he walks in and is automatically in that Mahomesian, Josh Allen, Burrow category. I think what he does... With with his right arm is that special. He's got the elusiveness of Jaden Daniels when it comes to like escaping pressure. But like Jaden takes off and runs. Caleb's keeping his eyes downfield and trying to chuck it seventy yards behind the safety that thinks is coming up. That's going to come up and get him. I, I really don't. And I apologize for it if he's listening. Of course he is. I apologize because at midseason, I think I said something along the lines of, "Well, Sam Howell's playing so well that." I wouldn't want to trade up to go get Caleb because you want to put those pieces around Sam. The quarterback's okay, so the most important thing. That's let's play the game. I'm going to pull a page out of the Dan Lebertard playbook. Ring, ring. It's not Poppy on the banana phone. It's it's, <laughs> it's me. I'm Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Chicago Bears, yes. calling you Linnell slash Adam Peters, mm-hmm. and I want four first round picks. You want four first round picks for me to move one spot? Yeah. I don't think. Come on, Chris. You just said you want you give up anything. We have to use. We have to use... He's a generational prospect. He is, but four ones? Welcome to the negotiations, bro. Hot seat's hot. All right. I mean, but look, four ones is strong. So that's my point. What are we actually talking about here? But, Craig, you know that's not even a realistic offer, though. To go up one spot... We have the framework of what if, it looks like if, to move up one spot. Okay, what's what's counteroffer then? That's the, welcome to negotiations. I, will give I you, offer something, you counteroffer. I will give you the number two pick plus John Allen plus my second second rounder. Get lost. I just gave you 
uh, a foundational piece for your defense, and I gave you who's older and expensive. And well, I, his deal is actually like quite f- team friendly right now in terms of like where okay, he's paid fine. amongst D tackles. Fine, but here's the thing. You and I'll give you Sam you know, Howe. You know, you know how much <laughs> that you love. Yes, Caleb Williams. Me too. So it's going to cost you more. I will give you my. Tack on, I will give you my on one this year. One. I will give you my one this year. My one next year. My two next year. And John Allen. I will give you two ones in John. That's more possible, and I don't think is as crazy. But if Caleb Williams, if I am I'd Ryan even give Poles, you two twos. I mean, if I am Ryan Poles, like you're going to give me not my two back. I want your two this year. I want the 35th pick in this sure. draft. Fine. Okay. Fine. But if I am Ryan Poles and I think that uh, Caleb Williams is as good as you do, there is no price outside of like and I can, three and I, ones I or that. four ones that you're getting. Well, three so ones. That's. that's Three ones is the line here that we're talking about. Three ones may be a conversation with me. So He's that's that good, people. I'm so not trying to speak in hyperbole. Craig, you know why I'm I'm willing to strip so, naked talking about him. Please He's don't. We're on that the internet. Please, good, please, people. please don't. For the love of, of oh. I know that the internet portion of this is the visuals are not censored by the FCC, but YouTube does have policies against that, and so do my eyes. Um, if Caleb Williams somehow on, ends up on. here in Washington, don't I'm not you're not doing this on my show. If you want to do Caleb some kind Williams, of Ru- Chris Russell s proclamation, you can do it tomorrow on the Chris Russell show when you're with him starting at one o'clock. If Caleb somehow ends up here in Washington, huh, I would be hot under the collar. I, clearly. Okay, hold on. Can you give me a 20-second version of your description of him again so that I can just take your your overinflated balloon and destroy it with one single... I think he can hit every throw on the field. I think his movement within the pocket is unlike anything we've seen in like a really long time. He's like special in that area. I think the ability to create off schedule... Yeah, I know he's got the fumbling issue this year. But, like, he was playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in college football, and he still put up numbers. His receiving core isn't that great, yet he still that, that, that put was, up numbers. No, I'm talking about what he does. What he does is, is special. I just told you. Make By the it, way, I did see uh, Anthony. I did see Linnell's uh, doing some stuff with DC News now, and his number one guy that Brendan he likes Rice. in the Senior Bowl is a, a receiver third from rounder. South, South uh, Southern California. So I do find that hilarious. It's like a third or fourth okay, round. Hold on, he's he is this elite scrambler. Doesn't really play on time, but it doesn't matter because he's he, so good. I, I think that's he, lazy. What people are going to say that he lazy. doesn't play I on time. Tape. He, he plays, never's on time. Bro, he plays there. Go back to last year's tape. Why is he not playing on time this year more? Because he's forced to bet. There are plays where the center or the guard are getting beat off the snap. Sometimes. Sometimes. And what is he supposed to do? It happens a lot. Okay. You know it happens who else? a lot. They but were you, outmatched. You think he's Mahomes. Yes. he runs around a lot. It's not even that. It's the ability to you drop know the arm does angle. the same exact stuff. As, as Caleb Williams. Just, as, that you just described. Kyler Murray. You're going to make the Kyler Murray comp why? Because and Caleb's not as elusive as Kyler was. I don't think. In terms of like. Pure speed, but yeah, Kyler's not a bad comp. Whatever, however, Caleb measures up at the combine is why he won't be Kyler. Kyler's five ten, bro. Sure, Caleb is probably six two. That's, that's the that's the difference. Pat Mahomes is only six two, 
that's they're they're sure. a lot more comparable than. But it's not it's not about just the height. My point is because a guy runs around and, and is capable of doing. You a act lot of like stuff. he's just running around just for poops and giggles. He's running around because he has to. He's getting chased at times. But there are times where he like there are times that it looks like he's not interested in making a play on time. And by the way, I like Caleb a lot. His defense he's stunk. He was trying to win one. games. He's trying to play hero ball. They were bad. Right, but what does that do to your process as a pro? As a pro, you have to because you want to know what you could say the same thing about Sam Howell coming out of North Carolina. Sam Howell, they're can't not even the same hold process. his jockstrap. There's not one. We're not going to be that aggressive with our. Are you our, kidding? You think that Sam Howell, the prospect, is comparable to Caleb Williams, no, the prospect? You are putting words in my okay, mouth I when I, I am that. trying to explain to you that as you bring up these data points. That you can say the same thing about a lot of other guys. That if you say, like, okay, well, hey, he'll fix it in the pros because he's just out there playing hero ball. Like, that's not necessarily how it goes. Yeah, it went that way for Mahomes. But Kyler's got Kyler has to have a damn clause put in his contract about how much tape he's gonna watch. Caleb is a damn football junkie. No one's saying anything about that. No, no one, no one's talking about the kid loves the game. The kid's been around football his entire life. That's what he wants to do. I have no questions about whether he's gonna work hard at it. He's more talented than Kyler. Like I don't disagree. Like that's I, I, but I, I hear th- the comp because I made the comp my damn self. I don't think it's far off. I just think. And by the way, physically, Kyler is a very good quarterback. No, 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 exactly. And it's not to poo poo on Kyler, but there's levels to quarterback, Greg. But the I idea think- that you would give up three first rounders. On a roster this bad for a guy that is somewhere between Kyler Murray and Mahomes, sure, if it's Mahomes, three is not enough. If it's Kyler, you've murdered your franchise. That's the point. I just, I just, they don't, don't have I, the first I just, pick. I they just have don't the agree. Second. I just don't agree because when you're the general manager and the talent evaluator that Adam Peters is, you don't necessarily got to hit on your first-round picks. And if you look at San Fran's track record, they haven't really hit on their first-round picks since Adam's that been Bo- there. That Bosa guy's pretty good, and he's pretty important yeah, to what How they good do. was Solomon Thomas? You know what I'm saying? There's 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 misses there, too. How good is Javon Kinlaw? They're, they're misses. He's a starter. That's a head case. He, he plays and makes plays for them. Maybe nah. not with the frequency that you'd want. But he's he my point plays. is just because you don't have your first round picks available to you doesn't mean it makes the job I guess a little bit more difficult. A little bit. When it comes to finding offensive linemen, how many of those guys are first round picks that we see across the league that are studs? Not here's, a lot. Here's the thing, I think sometimes we can get in trouble when mm-hmm. we look at exceptions, not rules. You want to go trade three first-rounders, you're going to find a lot more teams that have failed over the, the ensuing five years than teams who have succeeded. I like Caleb a lot. He's not so flawless that he's Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning as a prospect. Those are two of two. And not to say, by the way, because I think Patrick Mahomes is already on the GOAT track and his peak is as high as any peak that's ever peaked. So you don't have to be number one overall to get the guy either. But to give up that kind of capital... You better be damn sure you're right. And I am not at this point convinced on Caleb Williams. This is the thing. That he's that correct of a process. It's on Washington or whoever picks him to make the pick right. That's the one thing. Which involves that, other resources correct, and players that, around that, him. That, has, so that the franchise is in control up. of. Right. But if you give up other pieces to get him, that becomes dramatically harder. Like I that's think the it's entire about point. The coaching staff. I think it's about their plan for him. 
because Pat didn't play from day one. All of that matters. Quarterback and getting quarterback right is all if about If you think fit. you're going to trade three first-rounders and, and not play the dude from, from week one, you're out of your mind. Yeah, that, I don't concern myself with what the media thinks. If that's the best plan for Caleb, that's the best plan for Caleb. I can give a rat's you-know-what what other what's, people think about it. What's your job again? Media, sure. <laughs> but, like, if I, I, would, I always have said this about Caleb. Like, if we're going to make the Pat comparison, know that Pat also sat. Know that Pat also had Alex Smith. Yeah, like they're- and they don't have that here. And they don't have Andy Reid. All right, we have to stop there. Uh, we will probably. The good news is the draft is not for another four months. So we will get yeah, back we'll to the Ben Johnson back to it. Uh, stuff next.